Hello, my name is Ben. And I'm Brittany. And we're your hosts of the Too Vague Podcast this week. Hey, Brittany, how's it going? Hi, Ben. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. First time on the show. Are you excited? I'm very excited. Been looking forward to this. Excellent. First things first, we got to get a very important thing out of the way. Do you spell your name with an E-N-Y or an A-N-Y? N-E-Y. So two T's, N-E-Y. Yeah. Because I know there's a lot of different spellings of Brittany. There's so many. It's unbelievable. My favorite thing with spellings at the coffee shop was when we would take their name and their name could either end in a an I or a Y. And I would ask them, do you spell your name with an I or a Y? And when they would say Y, I would say, well, because I need to write your name on the cup. <laughs> that was my whole thing. I would be, I wouldn't know what to say to that because I'd be like, I, what? I would just be shocked. Yep. Well, you know. <laughs> I've shocked people before. I'm sure I will shock them again. But anyway, so let's get into our word. We are talking about the word photo today. Ooh, my favorite. Photo. What is your experience with photos? I talked to you a little bit before offline. It sounds like in addition to working at the coffee shop and being a a mom, you also have a photography business. I do indeed. I have just recently started back up doing photography. After I had my son, I just decided that's what I wanted to do again. I used to do it when I was much younger, uh-huh. in my early 20s. I worked at studios. I did my own thing. I worked for, um, I did stuff at the Rialto Theater for a while. Oh, wow. So photography has always been my passion, my hobby, and what I like to do. Yeah. As an artistic expression or just as a job or a little bit of both? I would say more as expression than a job. I'm not really in it for money or recognition or anything like that. It's just I have ideas in my mind that I like to be able to relay into something visual or I love capturing the moment for people Mm -hmm. and having that memory last forever. It's just all of that's amazing for me. It's a great thing, especially when someone has a passion for it, right? Yeah. Let me get into the definition piece and then we'll start our discussion about it proper and the word photograph, a noun, a picture made using a camera in which an image is focused onto film or other light sensitive material and then made visible by permanent and chemical treatment or stored digitally. I bet you they just added that recently. That's definitely a newer edition. <laughs> With, within the last <laughs> 20 years or so, or late 90s, early 2000s. Um, yeah. You know when the actual camera that produced photographs, not the camera obscura or the things that they used to do with projecting light onto other surfaces like that. You're familiar with that whole Mm -hmm. camera obscura stuff, the way light moves or the way light works? Yeah, I've never like done a lot of research on it, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. I think it's pretty interesting though. It's kind of like the pinhole camera, right? That's sort of a camera obscura sort of thing where, where an image appears upside down in your completely dark area but anyway but the origin of the actual photographic camera goes back to i believe it's like the 1830s is when your you had your your camera so that would make sense why in the google engram viewer there are no uses of photograph in print until about 1850 and then that's when 
everything gets to the level it is now as far as word usage. Um, I've yeah. explained the Ngram Viewer before. It's just something in Google where you look up a word. The Ngram Viewer shows you its usage in print over a period of time. So you get a general idea of the usage of the word. Oh, cool. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. And then there's also the verb portion of photograph. To photograph. <laughs> I don't know why this bothers me, but for some reason, whenever I hear, you know, it's like a noun used as a verb, it's like, that's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I get, I get it. Pretty easy. <laughs> Are there any other memories of the word photograph for you? What is the first thing you think of, like as far as a story or as far as some sort of life experience? So whenever I think of photo, I just, I always think about my mom's giant, like when I mean giant, I mean giant tote of like four by sixes, prints, things from our like childhood. She would always get the disposable cameras uh-huh. and capture all of our memories. Right. And we still have those photos. Yeah. And so when I hear the word photo, for me, it's memories. It's oh, yeah. being able to relive that specific moment with those specific people, time, all of that. For as long as you have that image and yeah. i think that's probably why i focus on it so much is because i want to hold on to as many memories as i can yeah when you talk about the way the human brain works associating yeah. things with visuals some people are visual sort of learners it's also a mechanism to bring back memories much like music is too like for me a photograph is like proof yeah. That it, it happened. You know, I mean, there's ways to alter the truth and everything like that. Especially these days, right? Especially these days. Yeah. But Photoshop or whatever. But it's like you smell something and you have a memory. Right. And you, but you can't quite specifically pinpoint it. Right. Or you hear a song and you're like, wow, I was on the beach this day when I heard this song. Right. But when you look at a photograph, you're like, wow, I was with this person and this person. We were here. This is what it looked like. This was the weather. This was this was the vibe. This was the atmosphere, you know? Right. It's something magical about that. But there's also an interesting sort of story component for someone who's just looking at the photo with no context. Yeah. They can kind of formulate a story, which may not be 100% accurate, but as far as a storytelling sort of device, it kind of works like you look at a photo and you can see people's facial expressions or what's going on in the background or things that are going on in the environment that maybe you weren't aware of or the person wasn't aware of when they took the photo. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's an accurate representation, but it is definitely something where you can show it to someone and use it as sort of a visual aid and say, okay, yeah. this is like back in 1971 when I was born in the, right? Right, Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's just why I love it is because you can also be like, you know, this is what I looked like when I was this age. And you have something to show instead of just describing it and having someone imagine it. Yeah, something like it's the difference between reading a book and watching a movie kind of, I think, too. Yeah, Like you can write write down your experiences, but having a visual to, to put it all into like this is the way it actually was. I have some definition there. Kind of neat. Yeah. Speaking of music and memories, one of the things I think of when I think of the word photograph, do you remember the band Def Leppard? Yeah. They had a song called Photograph, (laughs) which was like one of their big breakout hits. 
It was off the album Pyromania in 1983. Oh, but wow. I remember listening to Def Leppard, which at the time I thought was kind of, I thought it was heavy metal, but it's really, it's really more rock. I always have that thought. I always have that thought. Yeah. Like, this was punk back then, or this was metal back then, and it's so happy now. <laughs> It sounds so happy. Yeah. You know, Def Leppard as a band and their drummer, especially, he, he lost his arm and he continued drumming for the band. Rick Allen was in a car accident oh, in wow. 1985 and they originally had reattached his arm, but it got infected. So they had to remove it. But then he still wanted to continue drumming. So they made a special drum kit for him. So he uses his feet a lot in this in this setup and right one of his arms and it's like wow that's that is so cool and he's you know he's still when you can survive that kind of adversity and still drum like really legit that's pretty impressive yeah no definitely it's very impressive i was a fan of def leppard back in the day i remember my father when he was in london picking me up in an early copy of their album after pyromania called hysteria on cassette <laughs> cassette tape <sighs> oh the cassette tape i remember that. you remember the cassette tape okay that's I good i remember those yes the whole pencil erasers gotta make sure don't break it yeah you you right you want to <laughs> if you if you can't wind it you, you use the the pencil thing to to, to rewind yep. it too although i do have to admit i was a little bit of a bad child and i would take some of my sister's cassettes and just string them out oh and just have fun with that so you know let me just time there too yeah <laughs> let me just say i've done that before and it is kind of fun <laughs> pulling apart it a cassette really tape it's I mean, satisfying yeah and then for some reason back in the days of cassettes occasionally you would see one just on the street or just like someone had pulled it all the stuff out and just be on the street yeah. and you're like what the heck happened here I have no idea, but it's there's all this cassette tape stuff blowing in the wind and stuff. But anyway, yeah, that might be all just a, in the bushes. Yeah, <laughs> that might just be a memory that's just for some reason. Whenever I saw a cassette tape that was pulled apart and on the street, I always was sad for at first. But it happened too many times for it to be just kind of like, you know. Does this ever happen to anyone else kind of thing? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, you're like, this is now too common. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or at least common for me just because I notice it every time. But then again, I right. was a big cassette guy. For a while there I had, boy, when I moved out here to Tucson from Crystal Lake, I had probably about 400 cassette tapes. Oh, my God. Yeah. And now I have probably more than 500 CDs. I got rid of all the cassette tapes that I had. Now it's not really much of an issue because anything that you had, you can kind of find online in some way, shape, or form, right? Yeah. Which leads me to my next question. I wanted to talk to you about how photography has changed now that we have the digital camera. And yeah. as someone who expresses themselves artistically in this medium, the fact that we can take photographs on our phones and it is so common for people to take photos and videos and things of that nature now. I would think the business for someone who takes fo photos for a living, that goes down, the number of people who want that. Have you found that you know, you're still getting 
business or is this business new enough to you where you didn't experience a lot of business in the first place so you don't know what the what the original sort of like people wanting you to do manual photos part was like when i first started out with photography i was in a studio so i did all of it like prints and, and adjustments there in studio okay did you do it digitally or did you do it with digital for the editing but for the printing it was um real ink so you had to keep running it through the printer uh i can't remember what the printer was called but it would do different colors oh yeah each time it passed over yeah so it was one of those the cyan the yellow the red thing where it would, yeah, yeah yeah and it would just slowly start coming together it was wild but it yeah. was really cool but uh yeah it's completely different now i it's almost dead in a world of print mm-hmm. um everyone wants the instant gratification for they want the photos as soon as possible like within a day right they want the most perfect editing lighting and so it's it's definitely taken away a lot of the creativity and the um leniency for taking your time and working on photos Mm -hmm. just because everyone is so used to you know it's like amazon you buy something you can get it that day that's that's how they're wanting these photos done whereas a photograph still takes work even after the photo's taken regardless if it was a print or sorry a film or uh digital right so i've been prints are my favorite like i i said before that it leads to memories for me it's something that i'm always going to be able to have and reflect on right i don't trust that i'm gonna have a like uh like a computer facebook instagram when i'm 80 years old right so i want something to have these memories with and it's honestly just shocking that people aren't viewing it the same way they want just everything digital and online now yeah and here's the thing too i mean i think we've talked about it in different areas before on the show but there's something to be said for having a physical sort of thing in your hand like a photo or a book of photos right as opposed to digital where we are now exposed to digital constantly right it's like if there's anyone who has a phone they're interacting digitally on a daily basis right and there's a different feeling when you're touching something and you feel the photograph you feel the edges but you're also looking at it the memory or the way the brain works, it has to be a different thing because you've got sensory input in addition to just looking at your phone, right? Which you do every day. Yeah. For me, it's like when you have it physically, it's almost like it's personal. Yeah. It's not shared with the whole wide internet. Right. This is yours to have and yours to hold. Yeah. And your family, too, to, to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You have a baby book, right? I do. Right. Uh, I'm you, old school with that. Yeah. Do you have it for extortion or bribery purposes once your son reaches a certain age and is embarrassed? <laughs> I could, but I think I kept it fairly uh, respectful and not as cringy. Right. But all the, all the little, like, funny photos, though, I do have printed out that okay. I will be holding forever. Gotcha. Like over his head <laughs> but in the baby book i'm like okay no he's so sweet he says this right right but then i'm gonna be like on the other hand this is what he's really like <laughs> right here is the real photojournalistic yeah. representation of my son 
that's another thing with keeping photos too. Now it's so common for everyone to just take a million shots and then just pick out the best one. Yeah. As opposed to setting it up and thinking about the orientation and the rule of thirds and all these different things as far as space and and a photo, which also applies to anything artistic where you're representing something on a a finite two-dimensional surface. What do you think as far as Do you think it is more important to you as a hobby because people are doing it so casually nowadays? Does that change your perspective? Like the fact that anyone can take a photo now, 100 or 300 photos, and then just pick out the best one. Whereas historically, you set it up, you take a few, and then you have your pick. It's important to get it right as opposed to now where it's just like, well, just do a whole bunch of them and then we'll pick out the best one. I mean, the convenience of having, you know, a camera phone. Right. It's great because, you know, I don't expect everyone to have thousands of dollars worth of camera equipment on them on their bodies. Well, thousands of dollars worth of phone equipment, but okay. Yeah, it's it's just on the phone. Yes. Right. But there's a difference between taking a photo on your phone versus having one on your camera. Mm-hmm. The quality is there's no comparison. It's right. completely different. I have taken side-by-side photos from my iPhone 13 versus my camera. And I will still pick my camera any day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's more work because I do everything manually. I set up the focus, the aperture, everything by myself. And I adjust it to the scene that I'm taking. Right. Whereas on your iPhone, you can just take a photo and edit it right down in there to make it look good and post it. It also makes its own adjustments based on some sort of algorithm too, right? It's like Yeah, it does. I've taken photographs of the sky at night with the moon. And yeah, I can make some little adjustments on the fly, but nothing like I could do with an actual camera. Yeah. The camera that you're talking about, it's a digital camera, right? It's not a manual? It is a digital camera, the one that I preferably use, mm-hmm. but I always shoot in manual mode. So everything is done through me. I have to set where I want the exposure. I have to set my f-stop. I have to set the shutter speed. Everything is on me to make sure it's balanced and sharp Mm -hmm. and able to depict what I want it to. Okay. You could easily do auto mode and have it do it for you, but you don't have that creativity of making the scene darker if you want it or lighter or having it something shoot through to have a focus on a a background object instead of a foreground object. Right. Yeah. It's just, there's so much you can do now with the, the manual part of a camera that I prefer. Some people just take the easy way out though. Yeah. Here's an idea as far as promoting your business. Mm -hmm. If there is such a visible difference when you go out on a job to do photographs for something Maybe do one the way you set it up yourself, and then after you do that, is it easy enough to just flip it to an automatic mode and just do one in the automatic so you can kind of compare them side by side Yeah. and say, here's why it's important to have someone who knows what they're doing selling the point. Yeah. These days, it's too easy. People think, oh, I don't want to pay for photos because I got a camera on my phone. I don't even know if people do weddings. If I had a nickel for every time, yeah, we're just having a friend do it on their digital camera. That's not the point. You want someone who knows what they're doing to take your wedding photos, or at least I would think you would want someone 
who's a professional to do that. Oh, yeah. Do you do weddings? I do. Um, They're not like what I want to do constantly. I find them extremely stressful. Okay. But why, is, why do you think that is? So going back to what you were saying about the whole, oh, I'll have a friend do it. These photos are supposed to last you your lifetime. You right. want these memories beautiful, how you remember it from that day. And I would not trust a non-professional with something as special as like a wedding day photo or right. you were doing like birth photos. You know, like those are very special moments. Mm-hmm. that I would want to put all my trust into that person. Right. And for me being the photographer, knowing how I would want it to be for myself, I really put the pressure on me of I'm going to have to make these like impeccable photos. I cannot miss a single aspect of this wedding. And that's where I tend to overshoot. Gotcha. Because I want to make sure you know, I have the, the bride walking down the aisle and the first kiss. and But I need to make sure that I have the groom also looking at the bride. And it's a lot of, especially if you're doing it solo, it's really uh, stressful. When you do weddings and things of that nature, do you have a tripod that you use? Or is it just all kind of like freehand? It's just me running around. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have the camera strapped to my body and I'm running yeah. behind uh, the officiant. I'm running down the aisle. Nice. I'm just glad none of the weddings I've shot has a, a videographer because you would just see me running around like a chicken with my head cut off. But I end up getting the money-making shot. Like, everyone so far has been extremely thrilled with what I've returned to them. Mm-hmm. But that's also just because I highly critique myself. And I'm like, I, I need to make sure these are amazing. Has there ever been the thought in your mind to go into photojournalism? Because that's another way you can get artistic impact. As a mom, you're kind of limited in those as a parent, right? Or you, yeah. you've got a little being that you're raising. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> going to fly to wherever Hurricane Ian landed or, or whatever. And have you ever in your lifetime wanted to do something like photojournalism for a job? Yeah, like I see the photos of overseas i see fires you know shooting out all over the coast and the photos that are taken from that are so it's filled with so much emotion and drama that it it does make me want to do that Mm -hmm. but you're right i am limited you know with having a two-year-old at the moment it's but when he gets older like i've always said I can travel and do photography. I want to do that too. Right. But I would take it for anything. (laughs) Yeah. But it was never as a job. That's exactly what I want to do. It was more just like you're, you're turning a hobby that you're passionate about into some work. Right. Well, I think if I ever wanted to make it a job, I would make it freelance where I'm my own boss. I, I don't want to work for a company and have them tell me how to, do my photos. You know what I mean? Right. I I would want... You want some creative freedom. Total freedom. Yeah, exactly. I would want to be able to have complete and total control, which is why I started my own photography business. Mm -hmm. Because I have worked with other photographers. I've worked in two different types of studios, and it's great as a paying job. But I'm very limited on what I'm allowed to do, and that burns me out. Right. So when I'm able to have that freedom, and I'm able to be like, 
I can make this photo a very dramatic, almost noir type black and white. Oh, really yeah. get the emotion across. You know what I mean? That's what I want to do instead of, no, we have to follow these guidelines. Yeah. If I'm able to have freedom of expression, I will work any type of photo job. Yeah. Anything photo is where I want to be. A question, since you brought up the black and white, and to mm -hmm. some extent, to a lesser extent, I guess, sepia. Can you do those things on a digital camera in a way that's accurate to the way that they look on film? Is it easy enough to flip a switch and then get a sepia tone look or a black and white look? Or is that something you do in editing? And how does it compare to actual black and white film or sepia tone so on your camera you are able to make it black and white you're able to make it sepia but that really limits you on just your viewpoint everything is going to be in that tone right whereas if you do everything in color and you do you know in post-production of editing you can make those dramatic photos black and white you can make those special moments sepia tone right. you can make the really powerful photos this really rich colorful vibrant style of photo mm -hmm. you can definitely achieve that in photoshop in lightroom just in any post editing production mm -hmm. but it's not simple as you know a one click i'm done right. you could definitely do that but everything is going to have their own shadowing their own highlights exposure because like i said you shoot i shoot for that shot not right. just, I'm going to keep taking them and hope for the best. Right, right. When I have like an idea in my mind where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do these black and white. I'll make sure I have my settings to where the shadows and the highlights are more contrasted. Right. So I know that these photos will be black and white. And in production, when I'm doing the work on them, that's where I do all the, the adjusting. You can add grain. You mm -hmm. can either add, add like dust speckles, which... I don't really do too much of. I'll just add a little bit of grain and, you know, call it a day. But you use like what? Like corn or like wheat? <laughs> yeah. No, no uh, only steel oats here. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, Adding grain is basically making it look more weathered or look like, look more yeah, it like it's on it, actual film, right? Yeah. It kind of gives it almost like a newspaper style. Okay. But. What I do is if I know I'm wanting to do black and white for a certain series of photos, I'll create a preset where, with like basic settings. Right. Like I'm just going to adjust it from there because mm -hmm. each photo, I'll, I could put the same preset and each photo will look completely different. Right. So that's where the work comes in or if I need to adjust it on my end in Photoshop or Lightroom to match the other ones by either adding more exposure, less exposure, grain, no grain, right. all that kind of stuff. Okay. It's definitely possible. And uh, a lot of people still, they, they like that look, that right. film look. It's actually coming back as uh, like a trend now, like the flash photography, mm -hmm. almost like a, a disposable camera. Oh, really? Like that look. Huh. Yeah, they're hiring photographers to do a disposable camera look instead of just going to get a disposable and having fun with it do they still make disposable cameras they do okay i was i actually went to walmart this morning and i was looking for something for my camera i was looking for a light and i happened to walk by i'm like oh my god it was those green disposable cameras <laughs> and there were two packs of them and i'm like oh 
but I don't know where I would take them. Right. Develop them. I yeah. used to just take those to like fries and just hand right. them off in a little envelope. I'm sure. But I mean, yeah. like Walgreens still has a photo development place. I'm sure you can find a place, but yeah, you might be a little too young for the photo mat. Do you remember photo mats? Yeah. It's a tiny. No, I don't think so. Think of a uh, a coffee shop like your coffee shop you work at as a drive-through okay. store only, and then take that and then reduce the size by about like make it a quarter of the size. <laughs> So it was okay. just a tiny little shack, essentially, that you would drop your film off at, and then oh. later they would give you your pictures. But it was like a small room, like a, uh, you know, like almost a, I want to say. It was just like their personal lab? Well, I mean, I don't know how much actual lab work. I was never in there. I don't know if they sent it out, <laughs> you know, sent out the work, but it was very small. Yeah. Basically a storefront, a guy sitting there, you could drop your film off give it to the guy he'd say okay we'll have it done for you in weeks but i never worked at a photomat i didn't do any research on photomats so i don't know if they just sent out all the film or if they actually developed it in the building in the back mm -hmm. given it was an old school kind of like 1970s thing it's possible yeah. they did all the doing of the stuff in there like in a dark room in the back I don't think it's likely yeah. for these days. It's so easy to get photos back. But back then you had to wait weeks yeah. for them to develop the actual photos and then send it back to you. And then, of course, you know, you got a whole bunch of them where your eyes were red or ones where you accidentally took a photo of your leg. Yeah. Like half your camera really is just like your thumb in front of the photo. Yeah. <laughs> or the best ones were when you would get your photos back and you got, for some reason, someone else's photos were in there. That was always fun. I've never had that happen. Oh, no, no. It, <laughs> it doesn't happen now. <laughs> but it, it did happen, uh, I don't want to say quite frequently, but it was, you know, there were times where you would find photos in there. It's like, I don't recognize this. The, this is how not. interesting. Yeah. It's so weird how, like, how different things work. Because when you said, oh, you know, come pick it up in three weeks. Oh, yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah. Three weeks. Because in my head, when you're like, yeah, you just drive on through, drop it off. I'm like, cool. You just pick it up a couple hours later. Nope. Just because we're so accustomed to that quick turnaround time. And maybe I'm a little extreme with the three weeks. I thought it was like a couple weeks, maybe. It was at least a week sometimes, you know, back in the day. But I guess as technology. Yeah, I think it would greatly depend on the photo. And also, if you had it sent to a lab, right? If there's a photo mm -hmm. lab doing all this stuff for you, even if in back in the doing it manually days, at some point you just feed it into a machine. But even so, it still took a week to get it to the place and then send it back with all the photos mm -hmm. and the negatives, of course, you got those back too. I used to have a friend who worked at a photo place, so it was always like, take all my film to him and they'll do it. Yeah. I still look at a lot of old photos from the late 90s and go, wow, people working at photo places. I know. Yeah. Do you remember the place in the mall with like the green screen? You you would stand in front of it and they would change the backdrop to some funky like hearts that glowed, whatever color you wanted. It was all the rage. No. I always wanted to work there. Oh. That was like my dream job as a kid. Really? <laughs> so it was just basically a green screen place where they could put things on the background it was it wasn't like a glamour shots kind of thing right where it was no. like no so like you could walk in and you're like i just want to get my photos done so they're like okay it kind of had um 
not a stool like where you sit on, but you you would place your arms so you could like fold them under your chin or put right. them on your cheek, you know, like those little poses. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, okay, what backdrop would you like? And um, you could choose between hearts or teddy bears or stars or uh, money signs and change the color to whatever color you wanted. And then they would print up a bunch of little wallet sizes for you for like 20 bucks. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever when I was little. I always wanted there. So it was sort of like a photo booth, but a storefront? Yeah. I mean, not like a photo booth. Like you don't sit there and, you know, a machine does it. Like someone is taking your photos, telling you how to pose. But it's not like going to um, picture people where it used to work, where you make an appointment, you sit down, you can have outfit change. It's not like a studio experience. You just go in, you're like, yeah, take some photos of me. And it was the best place, though. Yeah. I found the backdrops on Amazon, and I'm really wanting to buy them to offer <laughs> <laughs> as a special package. I feel like that's going to be a great money maker because people miss that place. Have you used a photo booth before, like those, like in arcades and whatnot? Yeah, well, you can change it to blue, red in the back with the little fabric. Yeah, you're right, or like the little screens. Back in our day, you yeah. just had to actually physically move the screen in the back. Oh my god! To, it's like okay, we want it on a blue background, so. Let me pull the the curtain that is the blue curtain. So put that behind us, or put the red curtain behind us, or whatever. It was a little bit more of a physical sort of thing to do back you know, in the days. I think I was in one of those before because I do have like I think it was like first grade, uh-huh. and I have a photo in a photo booth where half of the backdrop is like a blue, really heavy fabric, and yeah. the other half is red. Uh-huh. So I was like, I don't, I can't decide. Don't make me decide. I want both. Right. Yeah, you could do that too. You could pull it halfway in between. <laughs> yeah, right. The modern concept of the photo booth with later a curtain, uh, Anatole Josefo, Anatole Josefo, Josefo. It's not Josefo because he's Russian. Are you speaking anyway. Latin? <laughs> no, no, Russian. He's Antonel Josefo, uh, who arrived in the U.S. from Russia in 1923. Uh, designed the first photo booth that appeared on Broadway in New York City in 1925. $0.25 cents a photo. The booth took, developed, and printed eight photos. And the process took 10 minutes. And that was, surprisingly, 1925. Pretty interesting. Cool. Yeah. You said for $0.25? Cents? For twenty-five cents. Wonder. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look this up. I want to know how much that would be today. Oh, geez. It would be almost five dollars today. Oh wow! There you go. Five dollars for eight photos in a photo booth. I mean, that's still not that bad. It's got to be close to that these days, right? I don't know. I haven't used a photo booth recently. The last photo booth I went to, there's a place over at Park Place Mall called Round One, that arcade. Oh yeah. They have a really cool photo booth in there where you can do. It's um. They print out Marvel comic covers okay. with your photos on them. Gotcha. And yeah, that was one of our like date night places. So we would always get our, our photos done there. And we decided to go back with Silas when he was born and do a little photo. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I think it's like 25 or $35 to get just these printed out. They're oh, not wow. tiny. It's an actual like, it's almost like a genuine comic cover. Like a comic book cover. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know, like, for actual photo booths, like the little strips. But these were worth it. I have these framed, and they are hilarious and gorgeous. Mm -hmm. 
there's also an interesting history. Okay, so in Japan, there are photo sticker booths that are kind of popular over there. Yeah. Where you create, you know, the photos and put them on stickers and you can use those. It's called Purikura, P-U-R-I-K-U-R-A, Purikura refers to a photo sticker booth. Sega has the trademark print club, but it's the first Perikura machines were introduced in arcades in 1995, but that's like basically what it was, is is put your photos on a sticker and have whatever background you wanted. So that's kind of interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Sticker machines. I think that would be popular if we did that here. You think? Like, yeah. People... There's certain groups and cliques of people that really are obsessed with Japanese style things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it it would take off like how the squishmallows, those like really weird stuffed animals that are at the stores, how yeah. they took off. I think it'd be like a new trend. People are like, I want to have my stickers of my face. Given the opportunity, it would probably take off here. It'd be just something new. Not anything like long lasting. Definitely yeah. Not, but. I mentioned Sega using the Print Club trademark, an estimated 25 billion yen. That's $283 million annually from just Purikura sales in the year 1997. In the 90s, it was the thing. I don't know how popular it is now, but when I go look through things in Japan, they do have arcades. They still have those types of machines. So I'm it's probably still a phenomenon where you go there and you get your photo taken for whatever reason. There's a game that I saw where part of it is you're trying to take the best photo and you're trying to become a model, but it's a video game sort of thing. I don't recall what the mm-hmm. name was, but it's a very interesting Japanese game where you take like headshots and it grades you on your headshots. Whether it grades how you look or grades the shot itself from a taking the photo perspective i don't know yeah it's like you're an ugly bastard (laughs) and then also recently with 3d printers do you think there's a time when we're going to have 3d printed not photos but 3d printed things of people in a pose i wouldn't be shocked no i would not be shocked because i remember being younger watching harry potter for instance and seeing the frames with the moving photos of uh, Harry and his parents. And I'm like, wow, that's so like magical and futuristic. And we kind of have that kind of stuff now with moving frames and and you can play, you can make gifts of your own photos and use that in a frame. And I'm just like, the future is here. It's now anything's possible. And I'm definitely for it. There's probably a way you could do it with those holographic looking stickers where if you tilt it one way it shows you one still and if you tilt it another way it'll show you another still you're talking about having photos in hologram right yeah well kind of like you have a 3d printer right and you can make little action figures right and you could print out a version of yourself from that photo like for instance the photo that i'm currently working on it's two friends sitting next to each other laughing Right. We could print that out and have like a little physical model of them as like little, not action figures, because nothing would be able to move, but little like statues of that. Yeah. Like that would be really cool. And I feel like that would be like a little cute moment. Uh, what are they called? Not momentum. Memento. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Not like, uh, not like, like Mentos. Really the Fresh Maker. No, not, not like Mentos those. and Coke. Yeah. Not an exploding rocket of anything. No, no. no. 
<laughs> Apparently there is Shapeways. It is a company that looks like it's beginning to make three-dimensional models out of gypsum-based printing. Yeah, 3D selfie booth Phantasitron located in Madura Dam, a miniature park and tourist attraction in Schwedvenige district of the Netherlands. I cannot speak Dutch. <laughs> so, yeah, the Svarsen... Uh, in, in, in the Netherlands. The in the Netherlands, yes. there is a miniature park and museum that has a 3D selfie machine. Ooh. So it can make 3D selfie models from 2D pictures. I mean, I can see in the future maybe just doing, you go into something like a photo booth and a laser rotates around you and then you've got a little figurine of yourself. I mean, there are, do you remember, I would want to say like 2008 to like maybe 2012, mm -hmm. there was like this type of photography where you could, it was a big camera that surrounded you in you either stand still or you or you pose and it would take this photo and it would create an image where you could circulate all around you. It would take a photo all at once and composite it into one giant image that you were able to like move around and, and oh. switch and have it look 3D almost. Huh. It was really cool. Uh, I always think about it when I think of like Lady Gaga during her poker face era. Right. She did that a lot where it was like a, a photograph and there's glitter falling, but you see everything moving, but it's still a photograph. Hmm. It was wild. Interesting. It was a really cool effect. It was an effect on a video or was it effect that looked on a, on a photo itself, like an actual physical photo? Not on a physical photo. It's more like if you were able to, it's almost like going through a video game mm -hmm. um, where you, how do I describe this? You can move the image around and, right. and move through it as if you're walking through the people because right. of where all the cameras are placed. It takes a giant photo of everything. Right. And you can move like, obviously, you're looking at it on the computer, but you can move through oh. the photo as if you're walking through it. Okay, so you're talking augmented reality. AR. Is that what it's called? Augmented reality. There is a program that the NBA does where you can actually set down a door and you can walk into the stadium. And the door in your world leads to, if you look through it, you can see a basketball stadium. And as you walk into it, you can look around rotate yourself like you're in a stadium so you can see the seats and see people actually shooting the basket it's limited but it's not like you can walk all the way into the other side of the basketball court but you can walk mm -hmm. in and you can look around at a certain point and look and see everywhere in three dimensions around you but it's that's an augmented reality kind of environment where yeah you're really in the real world but you're looking at the computer generated world and it's like animated so like people will be shooting baskets over here and you can watch them shoot their baskets or you can look into the audience or whatever they have cameras now that you can have a, a vr sort of experience yeah watching basketball or something like that which seems kind of interesting. Is it sort of like that? Sort of, yeah. It's not like a moving thing. So it's not like a video where there's going to be like people shooting baskets. It would oh, okay. almost be like you're walking into 
a still photo. Okay. And you're walking around the statues of the people frozen in yeah. the photo. Right. Yeah. And, and you can so look so, at something similar to that. Yeah. But yeah, not not a video. Just they do have those types of things in augmented reality currently. You can walk into an environment and walk around a thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's animated now, like the Pokemon Go stuff. Oh, yeah. You can walk around and see animals in your environment, which is augmented reality. But this is like walking into uh, an actual still photo. Yeah, exactly. That's probably a step on the way to this augmented reality sort of universe. But I was just thinking it'd be so cool, though, like if you were at a wedding or something something crazy like very a very special moment and you have this photo that you could just walk into and yeah you're just there still yeah like it'd be so cool like not necessarily like you're surrounded but like you can navigate through the photo and be like oh wow that was there too like it's just so cool yeah i mean now we're at the point where maybe that becomes a it's not just a photo it's a video so you can walk through this video where people are doing their thing go over there and look at what the hors d'oeuvres look like or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Or go over. I don't think it's going to be like a, oh, sorry, I missed your party. I'll just walk through your photo later. You never know. I mean, with the, with the metaverse (laughs) and all the things, I mean, with, with all the developing, it's possible you can have a, it would have to be limited in scope. It's not like you're recording the whole environment. Right. But if you have record like snippets, maybe like 15 minutes of, part of your wedding or the dance right maybe that's a that's yeah. a, a thing that you can kind of do and, yeah. and sort of walk around i guess well enough about the future unless you want to talk more about the future no we can move on if you want. do you want to talk about video games quickly before we wrap up the show yeah yeah let's okay. go for it. i've been do, hearing a lot of fun stuff how about you what kind of a video game person are you are you sort of knowledgeable I know your husband plays a lot of video games, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, he's definitely more accustomed to video games. I love video games, but they make me very motion sick anymore. So oh, okay. I have to load myself up with Dramamine. And then usually I'll just hop on like Super Mario or Animal Crossing right. or something on the Nintendo. Nintendo is my game base. That is what I like to play on. Anything Nintendo. Anything that is on a large screen, three-dimensional, first-person shooter stuff, that's where you start getting motion sick, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't play Call of Duty, Fortnite. I can't even play Minecraft anymore. And I had a great farm going on Minecraft, and my horses died because I can't play it anymore. And that was because of the motion sickness? <laughs> yeah. So, like, I literally will start getting, like, a really bad headache, really nauseous, and, like, oh, you know, like, very overheated. Oh, wow. And so I would, you know, get up and, like, shake it off, go outside, and I would come back, and one of my horses drowned itself in Minecraft. And Gosh, I was just like, it. it's, because, it's because I wasn't here. It's be- I blame my motion sickness the killer the silent killer (laughs) it's the real silent killer the the silent the silent killer of horses is motion sickness i guess this never said a chance yeah but yeah it's that that sounds similar to like when i've I've done vr stuff right where you're wearing Mm -hmm. these vr glasses and and if you have them on for any length of time if your sensors aren't calibrated you can get some serious motion sickness if if it flickers or if your camera moves suddenly or if there's you know any kind of yeah. strange movements in the VR thing. But then also some people mm-hmm. do get 
incredibly motion sick from just the VR. Yeah. And then also there's motion sickness that occurs in day-to-day life, like, you know, people who take Dramamine for... My father used to do it for roller coasters because he got serious motion sickness. Oh, yeah. So he yeah, I'm take... starting to as well, so yeah. that's fun. Oh, okay, so that, that's something that's developed recently. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, it started out where, you know, I couldn't really ride a bunch of spinny rides. Okay. And I'm like, okay, cool, but then it all started when I really started playing Guitar Hero. Okay. Because I got obsessed with that game, and I would play that for hours on end, just staring at that screen in the dark, just playing Guitar Hero. And I would look away, and I am not joking, like a whirlpool from my vision like my vision was swirling so much that my room was starting to like like genuinely create like a whirlpool pattern and it just made me so dizzy from that and I think my brain is still just like I mean it's been a while and it's like anytime I do video game stuff it just gets worse but I really feel like that like threw off I don't know if it's your equilibrium or whatever it is in your brain that helps you keep level but i think i just overdid it there is a an effect you know people do get motion sickness from from that kind of stuff normally i think it's more common than you think especially now when things are getting more realistic and there's more motion in games now right whereas before it was just tiny little pac-man going around that who's going to get motion sickness and i think that's why exactly and i think that's why like super mario games and I mean, sometimes Animal Crossing does make me feel a little woozy because yeah. they run a little too fast for me. Right. <laughs> but Paper Mario, yeah. uh, where he's 2D, just kind of sliding through. I love playing that. But if it involves your running and you also have to control your visual, right. that is where I, I start to... I think my eyes try really hard to focus on one specific point in the game. Mm-hmm. And with it moving around, it's just... I get so dizzy because, like, where do I focus? So, no Super Mario Galaxy for you. So, not a lot of video game playing going on other than Animal Crossing for you, then, these days. Yeah. 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 Unless it's, like, on my phone or... Like, puzzle games and stuff? Puzzle games. I can do some computer games. Mm -hmm. It's just, I have to turn the settings down really low. So, in Minecraft, I have to run at the slowest pace and turn the camera at like the slowest pace. So I cannot play with the monsters. Right. I'll die. I can't fight them all. Gotcha. Free mode only. <laughs> have you had your eyes checked recently? Maybe it's some, something to do with your eyes. But, I mean, like, I just have astigmatism, but they're like, yeah, it's just more like it happens. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. They do say right. it could be possibly hereditary. Okay. Because my mom is like that too. And they're like, oh, I mean, okay. you could just be like that. I'm like, thank you for that. You have a Switch, yeah? No, I don't have a Switch yet, but I want one. We have PlayStation 4, we have a Wii, and Dylan has computer, gaming computer. Gotcha. Did you ever play back in the Nintendo days, you being a Nintendo person, Pokemon Snap? Uh, Are you familiar with Pokemon Snap? Was that on the the Game Boy? Uh, That was on the Nintendo 64, I believe. No, we had a lot of Game Boy, like, Pokemon games. Okay. My brother was a really, really big fan of Pokemon growing up. Okay. This was almost exclusively on the larger systems. It's what's called a rail shooter. Have you ever seen in the arcades those gun games where you and a buddy are shooting there, shooting at the screen, but you're moving through an environment yeah. and you got to shoot things as you're moving forward or 
turning left or whatever. That's that's a rail shooter. It's a, yeah. It's essentially you are on a path from point A to point B, and you just have to shoot things that are coming from your left, right, whatever. Well, this is a version of that, but photographs. So you have to take photographs of all the different Pokemon that you come across. So you look around as you're traveling, and you look for Pokemon, and then you take photographs of them. So it was just an interesting sort of take on the rail shooter where you're not actually shooting things. I'm not sure that that was the first uh, photography game, but it seems to be the one that most people remember. Right. There was another game that I played back in the day called Beyond Good and Evil. And by back in the day, I mean the game came out in 2003 on the PlayStation 2. Okay. You were also taking photos of things in the environment, animals, as you came across them. So if you were on the lookout as you were doing your missions in this sort of open world, sometimes you would see things in the sky or different animals and you had to just take photographs of all the different animals you came across to complete your book. Basically like a stamp book kind of thing. Yeah, where yeah. It's a collection thing, sort of like Pokemon Stamp. When games started to do more of the ranking of photos was in Dead Rising, which is... You can just say Dead Rising is zombies in a mall. You're a photojournalist. Pretty much my biggest fear. <laughs> zombies in a mall? Yes. Is that your biggest fear? I'm petrified of the apocalypse. Really? Okay. Yes, I have nightmares about <laughs> You think zombies are a real thing? I don't think they're a real thing, but I think my mind is like, all right, we're going to prepare for the worst case, so you're going to think of everything that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, we... We got our two chainsaws in the shed, and we got our backup chainsaw. So when we attach them to our... Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so we got those. <laughs> Dead Rising. Let me let me pull up that game. It was really interesting because the game, you know, like games that have zombies in them, usually the zombies are kind of like the bosses. But in Dead Rising, the bosses are the psychopaths. So there are... People get trapped in the mall along with you who are crazy, I guess, just by the mm -hmm. fact that they're stuck in a mall with the zombies. So, duh. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I would be too. People freaking out. <laughs> Maybe some people going crazy. And then I would um, not uh, be in my right mind. Yeah. The first Dead Rising was you play the character Frank West is the name of the protagonist. He's a photojournalist who gets stranded at a mall <laughs> where there is a zombie infestation and it just keeps on getting worse and worse. And what he has to do, he's got a control booth that he can go into, rescues people in the mall, takes them back to the photo booth, or photo booth, <laughs> takes them back to the, the maintenance area of the mall. But it's a timing sort of thing in the very first one. And part of the dynamics that make the timing thing along with the photographs fun is you take photographs and depending on how many zombies or how many special objects or hidden objects you have in there, you get points that build up over time and give your character different abilities. So it used photographs and shooting those photographs as kind of a way to gain experience. But one of the things was you tried to capture yeah. certain types of zombies or a large number of zombies to build up your ranking 
more for the content and less for the orientation, but it was a it was close, right? Yeah. It was a great game for me and a lot of fun and I loved the photo thing to it. But in the second one, they took two things out that I think ruined the game for me. One, a lot of these things you had timing where certain people would appear and disappear. So you had a limited amount of time to rescue them. And if you missed rescuing them, then they died and you couldn't, you know what I mean? It was like, it was a part of a a long story. Well, apparently people complained about that. So they took out rescuing people in a timeline, which I think kind of ruined the game, especially if they would have kept the photo dynamic in there, which they also removed because you have to kind of balance your rescuing people with the photography. Yeah. Eventually they came out with a version of Dead Rising 2 where they put Frank West back into it. I never played the one where they did that. I played through the original Dead Rising and then the second one featuring this character named Chuck Green whose daughter got bit by a zombie and he has to keep on giving her Zombrex, which keeps her from turning into the zombies. Anyway, it's kind of a ridiculous game. terrifying. Well, (laughs) ridiculous series. I'm still kind of interested in if they are going to take it any further or whatever, but... I mean, I haven't played it. Has there been any talk that they are? (sighs) They noodle around with it. I think it was Dead Rising 4 did come out. I think it was out for the PlayStation 4, but I didn't play anything after Dead Rising 2. I I just played Dead Rising 1, Dead Rising 2, kind of like the idea of being trapped in an area that was mall-like. The place where I used to hang out as a little kid. And the other thing, too, was in those games, you could what you would do is you would go to the different stores and pick up items to build other things to help with, you know, the zombies. Like you could find a, a wheelchair and then find some electrical components like a battery or whatever mm-hmm. and have a wheelchair that you could, could electrocute the zombies by just running into them. <laughs> You know, like things like that, right? Where you would yeah. figure out where different things were in this mall and then use those items to create items to defeat the zombies. That was kind of fun, too. I just moved on to the next thing. It's like, I don't need to replay this game. It's just kind of, maybe if another one comes out and it's on sale, maybe I'll pick it up and check it out and see what they've done to it. But I think they kind of ruined the whole thing for me by taking out the photo dynamic. They put it back in with, they put the character back in, but I haven't played it since. So I don't know how that taking photographs has changed over time. Yeah, like how much has changed. Yeah, but the original came out. That's a bummer. Yeah, it it can be. When they take a franchise and they take... Sometimes they do things for the better, right? But sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. The first version of this was, I remember I saw it. I have a t-shirt that says Chop Till You Drop, (laughs) which has the mall logo on it. The Willamette Mall. The Willamette Mall, Willamette. I call it the Willamette Mall because I like putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. I have family in Oregon and they get on me every time I try or I mispronounced that place. So I don't even try anymore because I don't know how to say it. <laughs> Where? Oregon? It's like Willamette River, Willamette River, something like okay, that. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's where it takes place is in Oregon. Who knows? Oh, but maybe. yeah, the Willamette, uh, the Willamette, Willamette, Willamette. <laughs> See? <laughs> whatever. 
Uh, let me see. Colorado. Well, mm, not okay. close. Not close, but I still say the same thing. Uh, large shopping mall in the town of Willamette, Colorado. If it comes back, maybe I'll I'll check it out. But the most recent one where they brought Frank back, it hasn't gotten good reviews. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what they do with the franchise if they just let it die. It's a zombie franchise that's not nearly as popular as another one of Capcom's zombie franchises, Resident Evil, which I know you've Mm -hmm. never played. No, but my sister did, and I think that's why I'm terrified of zombies. Oh, okay. (laughs) So that's (laughs) the problem. She's 13 years older than me, so she was like a full-grown adult, and I'm a wee little child watching her play these petrified. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Does she still play video games or is she done with that? Honestly, I don't know. Uh, she moved away to Alaska, so we don't really keep close contact anymore. But gotcha. Yeah, I, I do distinctly remember being in her room watching the zombies come running down this hall. And there's a bunch of uh, chain link fences. And right. They're roaring and screaming. And I am just, I'm also screaming and right. roaring because I'm terrified. Yeah, they got some really creepy uh, zombie <laughs> designs, like the liquors. They 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 look really creepy. Yeah. So no zombies for Brittany. No zombies. I mean, I'll do zombies, but my nightmares will be fueled for a week. We'll go. <laughs> hey, guess what? Remember that zombie movie you saw? Uh, yeah, World War Z. Have you ever seen that? that oh yeah. That, Set me off for like a solid month. Running zombies were the worst. Yeah, the the ones where they were just climbing on each other to climb up the walls and Hell? stuff. And, yeah, just like their mouths just drop out into nothing, and they're like, ah. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. terrifying. Speed zombies, really quick zombies. zombies. Yeah. I like the new Walking Dead zombies where they're slow and stupid, and you can just walk past them. Yeah, those are better <laughs> zombies. Those are, I would prefer those any day. Right, right. When it comes to zombies, Brittany prefers slow, <laughs> shambling zombies. You hear that, government? When the yes. start, make, make sure, sure it's slow moving. Make sure we have slow moving zombies, none of those fast zombies. And I showed you some current games that I am playing that use photography. One I thought was interesting that used a camera. Although the game itself didn't really impress me too much, was called the Bradwell Conspiracy. Yeah, you had mentioned that. The Bradwell Conspiracy, you use the camera to communicate with someone who is trapped with you in an environment. The Bradwell Conspiracy was made by a company called A Brave New Plan, Bossa Studios. It's a puzzle adventure game, an indie. It was included as a playable game on Apple Arcade. It doesn't look very good on the iPads. It looks okay on my Mac. So I played it on my Mac, and it felt like a... You're not going to know what this means, but it's like a sucky version of Control. The game Control is about someone who gets assigned the position of being the new director of this bureau just out of nowhere and you've got to figure out what's going on in this bureau and there are all these buildings and the building changes and it people are corrupted by this sort of entity and you've got these objects that are mysterious and all this really kind of things you've got to figure out and puzzles but a lot of action the bradwell conspiracy on the other hand the thing where you take photos and you send digital photos to your buddy 
to get things done or to have them do things for you is kind of interesting, but it loses steam at a certain point. Mm -hmm. And then also one of the things that you get along the way is this matter rearranger where you store plans on this little thing. And so you can take this certain kind of matter and reproduce objects to help you navigate the puzzles. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's just... (laughs) The puzzle. Some of the puzzles just get too. I don't know. Like too weird. Not too weird. Just too unimaginative and just kind of boring. I mean, gotcha. let me just like say nothing intriguing. Nothing intriguing. Like the whole evil multi-billion-dollar corporation that runs the world has introduced this thing that can save humanity. But what they've done is they've put something in it that no one knows that this company put in it it's just like one of these preachy kind of games where it's like well how much do you really know about the water you're drinking and what these evil corporations are doing but it was just like there's no wonder it's not like oh this is an amazing technology right it's just kind of like oh this corporation wants to be able to determine what you're thinking or whatever for a certain kind of person it probably would be okay but for me it just it reminded me of just a bad version of the game Control that was so much fun. Yeah. It's a fun game for what it is. I don't think it's worth nineteen ninety nine, which is how much it is on Steam. It's a part of Apple Arcade, so if you have an Apple Arcade subscription, check it out. But I think I do. I need to check, but I think I do. Apple Arcade? I think I might. Yeah. Yeah, because the iPad. Oh, okay. If you do have Apple Arcade, you can download the Bradwell Conspiracy like I said, the graphics on the pad just don't look they're very good. Yeah. On the computer, they look much better. Maybe check it out, see what it is. But it, it's an adventure game. It's kind of fun. Maybe you get motion sickness because it's a 3D environment. It's a first-person perspective, too. So Yeah. It was really well voice acted. It had some funny stuff in it, some funny sort of things. It's just the puzzle seemed unimaginative and kind of like... Like it's been done before. Yeah, the story's been done before. Yeah, but yeah, I hate that. I always try to find cool games, and I'm like, I feel like I played this. Yeah, exactly. It's all the same at this point. Then there's the other side of the coin, which is this other game, Nuts, that I that I started playing. It's also on Apple Arcade, by the way. The iPad version of it is a, a lot easier to play. It's a game that you use photographs for. Well, you you also use video cameras for surveillance. And you try and figure out where these squirrels are, not in like the squirrels are taking over the world kind of a weird sort of way, but you're you're monitoring squirrels in this environment, in this preserved sort of area, so you can stop a corporation from building a dam. That's essentially it. But there's sort of a mystery component to it, and a lot of what you have to do is take photos of things and send them. You catch something on a closed circuit television with the squirrels and what they're doing and where they're coming from and where they're hiding their nuts. And <laughs> it's it's really early on in the game and I'm kind of wondering how it's going to turn out. But it's you send these photographs to this person who conducted the survey 15 years ago, but you're unwrapping a mystery it's how weird though it is a weird sort of game as far as the concept behind it you just have to set up televisions and watch for squirrels and then just send back the photos but part of that is just it's so weird that it's fun you know what i mean yeah definitely it's like it's interesting but at the same time you're like 
what have I gotten into? It's just so weird and creative in general to me that I want to see how it plays out. Whereas Bradwell, I yeah. just kind of played through it because it was just kind of like, I want to complete the game so I can say that it's sucky control. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just so that way you're not surprised at yeah. the very end that something's super amazing. It, and it could have been. The story could have gotten good, but it just didn't. Uh, the publisher is Noodle Cake Studios, but the developer is a developer called June, Paul, Musich, Char, and Torfi. They're a video game. What the hell is that? Uh, they're a video <laughs> game developer. They're from uh, Reykjavik and Berlin and Montreal and Copenhagen. So an interesting group of independent developers who just use their last names and first names to make their company name. Nuts looks like it's their first game. All these developers got together and just made a really weird, interesting game. So, yeah. and, and the visual like, style. What can we come up with today? What did you think of the visual style? No more than three, four colors in every sort of. Yeah, that was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, like to just try to differentiate what things were because it was all like just a couple colors. Right. But yeah, I thought it was cool though. It looked like a blueprint. And yeah, that's what you're you saying. A different vibe. It didn't, yeah, it didn't look like a normal video game that you would play. Yeah. So it was different, and that's what I liked about it. It's it almost like a, a doodle world. It's like technical drawing, a bunch of tech drawings, yeah. but in th in three dimensions. And some of the sequences later on that you get into that have more action remind me of the illustrative style in the music video for Aha's Take On Me. Have you ever seen that video? Yes, I have. It's kind of an iconic video, but it does remind me of the way they do the three-dimensional characters, the way that they've got like the little wispy things. That's what it looks like in the yeah. doodle universe of nuts. When things are moving around like that, it reminds me of that video. Really kind of cool, yeah, interesting right. idea. Very weird. I don't know if the squirrels are taking over the world, though. I don't think they are. Uh, we're saving the world from these demonic squirrels well either that or at the very least have a dream where the squirrels are acting weird like you're out in the wilderness right yeah it's possible that you can happen upon some mushrooms and accidentally put them on your pizza and then <laughs> then all hell breaks loose and you're having hallucinations about squirrels oh god that would be terrifying well it could be terrifying or it could be weird and cute I mean, you know, you never know. It all depends on the attitude of the person and what, what sort of state they're in at the time the they're peaking from the mushrooms. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I'm talking like I know a lot about drugs, but I've never taken any. So, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> I've pretty much covered the video game parts. Do you have any questions about video games using photodynamics? Do you think that's a good idea? Is it something that... I love it. I think it's... That it gives you a different aspect of playing games instead of just shooting people in the head. Right. Exactly. You, know, you have to, it gives you goals and things you have to do in order to complete the game. And I like that a lot. I, I think it's a very interesting way to have the character explore as if they can, what you said, prove that it happened by giving mm -hmm. whoever this photo, even though, you know, maybe it's people don't give it as much love and care as you do. Mm -hmm. it's still kind of an interesting thing to expose them to. I'm just wishing they maybe they make a dark room. Yeah. They've got to have a photo developing simulator. I, I mean, you know, I'm almost certain of it. Oh, yeah. You know, if they have cookies. If there's a goat simulator, there can be a <laughs> photo developing editor. Let's be real. Right. 
I mean, I'm thinking like in a in a Cooking Mama. Have you ever seen the game Cooking Mama? It's basically just you know you're cooking things essentially. No, that sounds funny. Yeah, Cooking Mama is pretty funny, and it's definitely on Apple Arcade. So if you have Apple Arcade, check out Cooking Mama. It's like you've got to do things like uh, chop up vegetables and then put them in a pot of boiling water, and then watch for the you know it's a little mini game things where you have to make stuff. But mm-hmm. but I can see that being like you're developing your own photographs in a in a mini game, like that's a kind of an art. Yeah. Itself. Do you do you ever uh, have you ever developed your own photographs? Not fully. So back in high school when I was taking photography, uh, we started to learn about it before I left school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I never fully got to do it myself, but I learned the aspects of it. Yeah, my stepdad. Yeah, but I to, want to. That'd be so cool. Having a dark room is kind of one of those interesting sort of fun hobbies I think like if you you know not for me personally because I don't have a passion for like you do Mm -hmm. but I do know people who really like the whole process of developing their own photos because it is kind of meditative in a way where you have to take it from one thing put it in another thing let let the chemicals do their work and that and then take it and put it into another thing and let the chemicals do there yeah. it's just so crazy how it works you mentioned to me that that kind of thing is making a comeback and manual cameras is sort of making a comeback yeah um a lot of people are like in the process of buying i have a mamaya film camera which i still need to get film for but like if i wanted to sell that it would go so fast because people are desperate for that film oh wow uh, look yeah it's yeah. crazy huh it's interesting how everything old becomes new again, sort of. It all comes back around. Yeah, exactly. At the very least in a crafty, crafting kind of hobby sort of way, too. Yeah. Anything to say about the word photo or photograph before we close the show? I think it's a timeless thing. I think it's something that should not be neglected. I feel like a lot of people don't take enough photos of their families and, and of moments. I feel like it's often overlooked. And mm-hmm. it's nice to have the memories like physically in your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Either that or take too many photos and it kind of loses its meaning. If you're going to take a meaningful photo of your family, that should be right. It should be prepared and shouldn't just be random. Put some thought into your photographs and they will mean more to you in the future. So Yeah, definitely. And it's like there's a lot of issues when it comes to having like the perfect photograph too, like perfect smiles, perfect hair, perfect posture. Everything needs to be absolutely perfect. So sometimes people will take a hundred photos just to, in their mind, get that one solid, perfect photo. Right. Do you want to mention your, your business before we close the show really quick? Yeah. So my photography, I go by B June photography, B period J U N E photography. It's just my first and middle name. Okay. Um, I go by that on Facebook, Instagram. My website is that. I have my Google name. My email name is that. Okay. So any, you can any just, kind of thing. Is- so just look up B period June, and then you should be able to find all your social medias and your business. Yeah. Um, yeah. It should all pop up. So do you do a lot of your requests and things for your business through those social media portals? I do. Yeah. That's where I find a lot of my marketing is through social media. After I do a session, I like to post the final work to the pages and run ads Okay. to help promote like my actual individual photos. And that tends to draw a lot of traffic to my pages. And then 
from there, it's just connecting to the customer, figuring out if I'm what they're looking for in, in terms of what their final vision is. Yeah. But at the end of the day, this is still just a supplementary income kind of mechanism, right? It's Yeah. It's more for I'm having fun doing this thing that I love to do, but making some money off it is not a bad thing. Exactly. Like I'm not in it for the money, but it's always nice. Exactly. That's kind of where I'm at with my with my podcast. And speaking of podcasts, yeah. let's just go ahead and close the show by me thanking Brittany for taking time out of her busy day to talk to us about the word photo. Thank you, Brittany. You're so welcome, Ben. Thank you yes. for having me. You're welcome. And on that note, my name is Ben. My name's Brittany. And we've been your hosts. Have a wonderful night. Bye.